This is an ICGC Cornerstone podcast. At Cornerstone, we believe in the power of the Word of God to transform lives and empower people to influence their generation. And now, time for the message. This month, we have been uh, talking about things that destroy us. And today, we will look at the most dangerous one uh, this morning, uh, which is pride. 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 It shows up, and if you are not careful, it will floor you before you realize it. It's a dangerous enemy. Pride will destroy us if we don't pay attention to it. And I know that there is, you know, something positive about pride in the sense of having a justifiable self-esteem, you know, and uh, in terms of, you know, how we appreciate people, um, we appreciate our children, we are, we are proud of them, we appreciate, appreciate things and occurrences, we are happy about them, we take pride in, in what we have achieved, uh, we take pride in our nation, especially when, we, when the Black Stars win uh, a football match, we are happy about it, we take pride in our faith as Christians, we take pride in our heritage, and so there's a normal sense of self-esteem and appreciation for things, for when good things happen to us, and that is good. But there is also negative pride. It is very destructive, and it will be our focus this morning. And when we talk about pride, we are not talking about having self-esteem and having an appreciation for things around you. That's not what we're talking about. We are talking about the negative aspects of pride that can destroy us. And all of us are prone to pride. All of us. There is nobody who is so humble that they cannot become proud. There is nobody like that. In fact, if you think that you are the most humble person in the world, you are probably a candidate for pride. You are probably proud because sometimes you are proud that you are humble. <laughs> so you are probably proud. But we're going to say a few things that will bless us this morning. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18 to 19. That will be our introductory text this morning. Proverbs 16. 18 to 19. Proverbs 16, 18 to 19. It says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Very interesting scripture here. It says that when you see a person manifesting pride, or when you see a person manifesting a haughty spirit, you can tell the destination the person is heading towards. When you see somebody who is proud, you don't need a word of knowledge or prophetic word. Once the person is proud, you can tell that this person will, it will not end well for the person. You can, it's, it's very easy to predict. That's one of the easiest things to predict. Once the person is proud, it will not end well for the person. It's as, it's as simple. It's not about grace. or no, It will not end well for the person. It's as simple as that. Very interesting. Which tells us that sometimes you can see certain character and attitudes that people show and, and know where they will end in life. And know where their destination will be. Because pride is dangerous. So the question we ask ourselves this morning is, how do we know when pride is working? What are the manifestations of pride? 
how can I see pride working in my life so that I, I, I can take the necessary steps to ensure that I, 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 I do away with that attitude? What are the indicators that you are becoming proud or not? I'll give you five manifestations of pride. Five manifestations of pride. Number one is self-centeredness. When everything you do is about you. When everything you think about is to benefit you and nobody else. When your language is mine, I, me, mine, I, me, mine, I, me, you are displaying self-centeredness. There are people who think and believe, whether it is ignorance, naivety, or just stupidity, that believe that the world centers around them. That believe that if they stop existing, the world will stop existing. That believe that without them, God cannot do anything. It is called self-centeredness. And one of the things about life, and for us as Christians, one of the things about living for God, serving God, honoring God, is that you cannot flex God. He will replace you with the speed of light. You cannot flex him. That's one of the things. So every Sunday, or every time I have the privilege to stand there, I stand here with reverence and awe. And a sense of fear. Because I know that the day it sinks into my brain, that I'm the reason why you are here, God will replace me. Because pride goes before a fall. My. Even in marriage, people come with a sense of self-centeredness. You hear couples say things like, my TV, my fridge, I bought this, I bought that. Even in marriage, when two are supposed to be one, we are dividing ourselves. Mine, I, we become self-centered. We place ourselves at the center of everything. Number two, overconfidence. It is good to be confident, my friends. It is good to be confident, definitely. Without confidence, we can't do a lot of things. We can't achieve a lot of things. Without confidence, I can't stand here and speak the way I'm speaking. It's good to be confident. Without confidence, you see Pajo run all, all over the stage and singing the way he's singing and Marian leading us in beautiful, beautifully in worship. But the problem becomes when your confidence goes overboard. That means that you have become too sure of yourself. And, you, when, and when you are too sure of yourself, you don't take precautions. You don't consider other possibilities in life. You are always sure of yourself every single time. It, it is great to have faith. It is great to have a good esteem. But remember that in life you can't control everything. You can't control everything. You don't control what happens in your life and you don't control so many other things as well. So there's a part of our lives that must be humble. Because we can't control everything. And it's, it's good to know that we can't control everything. Overconfidence will kill you. When you don't foresee problems along the way, pride becomes the manifestation in your life. Number three, boasting or bragging is a manifestation of pride. Boasting or bragging. Boasting is when you talk highly about yourself, your achievements, what your children are doing. What you have done, your pedigree, your education, 
your qualification. And you talk about all this. And in every conversation you have, it's all about you. I've done this, da, 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 da. You breathe a little. I've done this, da, 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 da. Everything is called boasting and bragging. And it is a manifestation of pride. Number four, not being submissive is a manifestation of pride. Not being submissive. And this generation needs to hear this more than ever before. Not being submissive. Because to step up in life, you have to stand on people's shoulders. Mm? I'm standing here because of Dr. Mensah Otterbell. If there was no ICGC and the things he's built, I would not be standing here. I would not be standing. I, I have to be humble enough to know that. Not being submissive. This is when you don't allow people to speak into your life. You don't respond to anybody. You don't submit to anybody. You are your own alpha and omega. You are the beginning and the end of your own world. Nothing matters to you except you. You are not being submissive. You don't take correction. You don't take instruction. You don't take advice. When you are like that, pride will set in. One of the ways, especially, especially to know if somebody is proud, is when you rebuke the person. When you correct the person. You say, I'm humble. Receive, you wait to be blasted. You know, we'll see whether you are humble or not. When you bring something. When I go to my boss. Everybody has a boss. I present something and it says, rubbish. Yes, sir. My voice just goes down. Yes, sir. I walk out. It's rubbish. Basically, you have to be submissive. You don't know everything. Yes, you have a doctorate, but it's rubbish. <laughs> being, not being submissive. Number five, looking down on other people. Looking down on other people. When you think you are the best thing that ever happened to, on the planet Earth, it is good to think you are good. And it is good to think you are great. It is good. It is good. It's good to have a, a good self-esteem. And it's very important. We are not saying that, you say, oh, I'm nothing, I'm rubbish. No, 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 that's not what we're saying. No, 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 you're, you're not. You are, you're, it is good to have that esteem. You need it. It's very important. Don't, don't be timid and don't, be inf inf don't feel inferior. No, it's good to have a good esteem. But you must understand that, that although you are good, other people are also good. You must understand it. You are not the only one who is good. Understand it. Harriet, you are not the best preacher. Understand it. Others are good, equally, and some even more. So you are good. Yes, that is good. But you are not the center of the world. And sometimes we look down on many people in different ways. Sometimes a particular race looks down on other races. Locally, there are tribes who think that they are more superior than other tribes. Born again Christian, but tribal centered. And so you hear Christians say things like, oh, you can never marry from this tribe. Dangerous. Dangerous. Born again Christians. They come from a particular tribe. And they think that their breed is the best ever in the world. Their culture is superior. Their language is superior. When you begin to do that, you are a candidate for destruction. Pride. It will go first. Then before you know, you are falling down. That's what it is. Pride goes before a fall. 
Sometimes we look on other people based on social settings. We have attained a certain level in life. Level in life. Social setting. Ah. When you were believing God, praying, fasting, waiting on the Lord, now you've attained a social setting. Ah. Going to church to listen to all these things, nothing. What is that? No, it's nothing. You know, I have to golf with the big boys on Sunday. Social setting. Things like, oh, those of us who went to this particular school, we don't roll with those who went to this particular school. We don't go roll with those who went to this school. Because I went to this particular school. Social settings. Based on ethnic groups, tribal groups, family, pedigree, education. Then we separate ourselves. The reason why pride is dangerous, my friends, is because it sets in very slowly. Very, very slowly. And when you start, you don't see it. You just be setting in, setting it. Setting in. And that is why all of us, we are all candidates of pride. Candidates of pride. As a matter of fact, the more successful you are, the more you, you are prone to pride. Because it comes slowly. 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 So now you are driving your nice car. You, you were walking before now. God has blessed with the car. And then you see a church man, you can't pick the person because your car is too neat for the person. It's too neat for the person. It's too neat for the person. For a while, you'll be thriving. But you are heading towards a ditch. You just don't know it yet. Look at our world. How many people have not come and gone? Oh, there are many. They come, they show themselves, money, disappear. How many have not come and gone? So you and I, we are not any different. Based on how we respond... The fall is waiting for you or not. Second Chronicles chapter 26. We're going to look about the story of a, of a king who started very well. Young guy. Loved God. Served God. Spiritual brother. And then the thing got into his cerebral. Second Chronicles 26 verse 1 to 7. It's about a king called King Uziah. And Uziah started reigning as a, very, as a young man, doing great things. He had a great promise, great future, because his father, the king Amaziah, had died. And so he was brought to the throne. And Uziah shows us the dangers of pride, especially when you get successful at a very young age, very early in life. I want you to follow this man's progression very carefully, because I'm going to take you through eight steps that led to where he found himself. Second Chronicles 26. And if you have the time, when you go home, Take a time and read the entire 2 Chronicles 26. It will, it will bless you significantly. But I'm going to look at 2 Chronicles 26, 1 to 7. And then I will jump to 15 to 21. So 1 to 7 and then 15 to 21. It says, now all the people of Judah took Uziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. He built Elath and restored it to Judah after the king rested with his fathers. Uziah was 16 years old when he became king. And he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jecolia of Jerusalem. 
And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. So you see, he started very well. He sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Verse 6. Now when he went out and made war against the Philistines and broke down the wall of Gath, the wall of Jabneh, and the wall of Ashdod, and he built cities around Ashdod and among the Philistines, God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians who lived in Gerbal and against the Menuhites. Verse 15, jump to verse 15. And he made devices in Jerusalem invented by skillful men to be, to be on the towers and the corners and to shoot arrows and large stones. So his fame spread far and wide, for he was marvelously helped till he became strong. But when he was strong, he lifted up his heart to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. So Azariah, the priest, went in after him. And with him were 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have transgressed, you have trespassed. You shall have no honor from the Lord. Then Uzziah became furious, and he had, he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was angry with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord beside the incense altar. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him. And there on his forehead, he was leprous. So they, so they thrust him out of the place. Indeed, he also hurried to get out because the Lord had struck him. King Uzziah was a leper until the day of his death. He dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leper. For he was cut off from the house of the Lord. Then Jotham, his son, was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Interesting story. A great king, Uzziah, started very well. On the right note, everything seems to be working out well for him. His guy is doing well, has great potential, doing some great things. But at some point in time, something steps in called pride. And pride is one of the greatest killers of greatness. Now, let's look at Uzziah's path to destruction. What are the steps he took? Number one, he started with God. You see it in verse 5. He started with God. That's a good place to start. He started on the right note. He did what was right in the sight of God. He cooperated with God. He had a great team around him. He had, he had a prophet Zechariah around him. He had a priest around him. I mean, when you see Uzziah's team, you say, oh, wow, this guy has a great future. He's, he's going to do some great things in life one day. God is on his side. The prophets are on his side. The, 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 the men in the courts are on his side. So this guy is going somewhere. Young man, hungry for success. Had everything. He started with God and he started right. Number two, he became strong. You see that in verse 15. His faith was in God. He was, his faith was rewarded. He became strong. This guy did great things. The Bible says that he invented so many things. So many war-like war machines. This guy was an inventor. Did some great things, had great faith in God. He was creative, he was a visionary, he was focused. He had somewhere he was going to. 
And that faith in God made him strong, made him rich, and made him prosperous. Number three, his fame spread far and wide. You see that in verse 15. Success made him famous. For all of us who want to be successful, I suppose you all want to be successful. Or who wants to be a failure here? All right. For all of us who want to be successful, because success will bring you fame. It will bring praise. It will bring recognition, acclamation. Even when you don't, when you don't want to, when you, you, you don't want to describe, people will still people will praise you. They will force themselves to praise you. If you, if you tell people, give it all to God, they won't give it all to God, they will give it to you. <laughs> it is your job to give it to God. But they will praise you. They will honor you. They will speak highly of you. It happens to all of us. People speak to you and you wonder, are they talking about me? Sometimes I get scared when people think about, when people say the things they think about me. Say me. You are thinking all this. I get, I get scared. No. It's frightening. The praise of people is very frightening. It's very scary. Some people will soak it in. They will soak out. Ah, then the praise come in. Some people are excited about the praise. And when you soak it in and you are excited, you are a candidate for pride. Some people get scared about the praise. But over time, they soak it in again. Because it is like a, a flood. Like a, when, you have, when you have built a wall and there's a flood in the area. And, and, and the flood keeps pounding the wall. Like praises keep pounding the wall. And very soon, you to find a small hole. And when you pound the wall, the wall has come down. Because as the, you, you may start being scared. Oh, no, don't praise me. I'm nothing. Oh, no, no. But when the praise keeps coming, keeps coming, boom, boom, boom. Boom, will you keep giving it to God? Because you may start well. Oh, you may, you may start well. You may start cool. But it will keep knocking on your door. Boom, you are great. You are great. You are great. No one can sing like you. No one can talk like you. Ah, if you, didn't, if you don't come, nobody can do it in church. You are the only one. Ah, in the office, they are singing your praise. Your praise. Your praise. Your praise. Your praise. Till an intern comes. And can do five times what you are doing. Then the praise will shift. Whoosh. Then you will realize. Bible says his, his fame spread far. Because I'm just for some of us, you wish you were known. You wish you were recognized. You wish you were in the news. You wish you were on social media. You wish people would notice you wherever you are. It will happen. But when it happens, what next? Number four, it says his heart was lifted up. Verse 16, his heart was lifted up. His achievements got into his head and filled him with a sense of self-importance. Now he had arrived. His heart lifted up. The praise had gotten him. The sycophancy has gotten to him. The praise singers have finally gotten to him. Especially in this part of the world, when you are successful a little, the praise begins to flow. Praise is our national anthem in Ghana. People will praise to the highest heaven because Africans, naturally, we love to praise. We love to worship. Just raise yourself a little and everybody will move into worship mode. They start worshiping you, start praising you, start saying all kinds of nice things about you, start saying all, that, all kinds of nice things about you. 
And yes, you may say, I, I, I know who I am. I give it back to God. I'm nothing. But as the flood increases, you're not careful. It will penetrate. <laughs> it will penetrate. Before you know, you, you get angry because you go somewhere they didn't recognize you. You go to a shop to buy, uh, what? To buy, what do you buy at the shop? Pie. <laughs> and and they, don't, they don't know who you are. And you are shocked. You don't know who I am? <laughs> He started away, but his heart was lifted up. So what happened after his heart was lifted up? Number five, he stepped beyond his boundaries. He stepped beyond his boundaries, verse 16. He started doing things he was not qualified to do. The Bible says he transgressed against the Lord. Because people told him he was great. They told him he was powerful. They told him he was good. So he thought he could do anything. Hmm. He disregarded limitations. He disregarded the laws of God. And he felt he was above the law of God and he could do anything he wanted to do. Very interesting. He could do whatever he wanted to do and get away with it. There is something with being great that makes you feel you can do anything. There is something with being great that makes you feel you can break the law. There is something with being great that makes you feel you can sin. Do the wrong thing and still get away with it. It happens to everybody, my friends. That is why sometimes you see a pastor, great man of God. Great man. At the peak of his ministry. Peak of his ministry. And he has gone to sleep with another woman. At the peak of the ministry. He's going to sleep with somebody else. Who is not his wife? Great. And you wonder, wow. Man of God. At your level. Because it happens to everybody. And so when I read such stories, I'm sobered up. Because it happens to everybody. If it can happen to them, it can happen to anybody. He transgressed. He thought he was untouchable. He thought he could do whatever he wanted to do. Because, and, and so that the pastors, pastors do these things and think that, oh, God will still use them. The anointing will still flow. I'm still anointed. Pride. Pride will kill you. Uzziah transgressed. What was his transgression? He was a king. And according to the law of Israel, kings do not offer incense and sacrifices. They were done by priests. Kings are like the executive. Executive. They're like the executives. The priests are like the legislature. And the prophets are the judiciary. But he transgressed. He went to do what he was not supposed to do because he thought he was untouchable. And the priest came to him and he said, Sir, with all due respect, please, don't do this. This is not your job. You don't have the qualification for this. You don't have the authority to make sacrifices. And the problem was not even about the transgression with Uzair. The problem was that he was corrected. And the Bible says, number six, he became furious when he was corrected. See that in verse 19. He became furious when he was corrected. He lost patience with those who 
drew his attention to his mistakes. He could not stomach any contrary view. He could not. He could not. And I'm sure Uzziah was saying, who are you to stop me? Well, like in, in, in Africa, like they say, who are you again? Come closer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who are you again? Uh-huh. What did you say your name was? Mm-hmm. Yes. That's what I said in Africa. Come closer. Mm-hmm. Repeat what you said again. Did you say I cannot go or you were talking to somebody else? Was it me or somebody behind me? He became furious when he was corrected. Furious, angry. Nobody can stop him. You know who I am. And then what happens to him? Number seven, he got infected with leprosy. Verse 20. He got infected with leprosy. In his anger, leprosy attacked him. And one of the things about leprosy is that leprosy is one of those diseases that attacks the nerve endings. And, uh, and your extremities, like your fingers, your toes, the nerve endings. And, and what happens with leprosy is that you don't feel anything. At the nerve endings, they are, they are just dead. You don't feel anything. So people can bite it off. They say, that's why you see people are leprosy. These parts are chopped off and all that because you don't feel anything. You don't feel anything any longer. He became furious. He couldn't feel anything. And leprosy also became the manifestation of his nature. He couldn't feel anything. And he got the leprosy to back his attitude. And number, seven, number eight, he was cut off. Verse 21. Although the Bible says that Uzziah reigned for 52 years, if you read the entire story uh, when, you, when you get time, you begin to see that he didn't, finish, he didn't actually reign for the entire 52 years. So he was on the throne, but, he, but because he was leprous, he was isolated. So, he, so his son had to rule alongside him. So it's like a regent system. Where, where his son had to rule alongside. So although he's king, his son is king in waiting, but his son is still one, the one ruling. So although technically he says he ruled for 52 years, majority of his time he was spent in isolation because a leprous person, according to the laws of Israel, cannot mix with the community. So he's cut off. All the great things he said and achieved, zero. 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 Like he say, how the mighty have fallen. Zero. Zero. Pride is where it starts from. Pride. Pride. Pride doesn't start with the devil, my friends. It starts sometimes when we are, when we are, when we are with God. When we are doing the right things, saying the right things, seeking God. We have a true heart. We love God genuinely. We love to just live and honor and just want to worship him. And if we are not careful and become insensitive to the Holy Spirit, certain things begin to fill our hearts. And that is why God will bring people to correct you. To correct you. Listen. Those of us who are married, your spouse will correct you. Listen. Listen. Sometimes I, I'll preach. I think I've done some fantastic preaching in the piano. Say, that example. Mm, don't use it again. No, 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 no. I say, yes, ma'am. I will change the second service. <laughs> I guess oh, I preach a powerful lesson. No, 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 no. That example, I say, yes, ma'am. You have somebody, you need somebody to correct you. And that's your husband and wife is the best candidate. God, they know you. They'll tell you, you get angry. Yes, but they know you. So listen to them. All right? First Peter chapter 5, verse 5 to 6. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5 to 6. 
It says, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, not in your own time. Mm? In due time. God resists the proud. It is okay for, God, for, for people to resist you. It's okay. I mean, in life, people will resist you. Not everybody will like you. Even when you sell ice cream, not everybody will like you. Yeah, so if you, if, you, if you want everybody to like you, welcome to the world. Everybody will not like you. You understand? It's okay for people to, it's okay for your enemy to resist you. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay for the government to resist you. But when God resists you, who do you go and pray to? When God resists you, who do you run to for cover? Who do you seek help from when God resists you? God fights the, tra- the, 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 the proud. And that is why Uzziah got into trouble. Why does God resist the proud? What is it about pride that makes God resist a person who is proud? Let me give you five things. Number one, pride frustrates God's grace. Pride frustrates God's grace. You cannot be proud and still acknowledge God's grace. It's not possible. We are what we are by the grace of God. But once you take credit for it, where is the grace? So it frustrates the grace of God. And because it frustrates the grace of God, God will resist you when you are proud because you are frustrating him. Pride frustrates the grace of God. Number two, pride corrupts God's gifts. And you saw what happened to King Uzziah. He's a king. But now he's corrupting his power. He's misusing his power. He's abusing his power. Pride corrupts God's gifts. Because now he has become strong. He has become famous. He has become powerful. And he's abusing that authority that he has. And it happens to everybody. Whether political leaders, church leaders, corporate leaders, abusing power. That's why you find head of a company. You want to sleep with all the leaders in the, in the company. Abuse of power. He thinks he can transfer anybody to anywhere. And destroy people that you, I will transfer you. Like some DC said some time ago. I will transfer you to somewhere. Abuse of power. You are corrupting God's gift, my friends. And that is why God resists the proud. Because he has given you ability. He has given you greatness. He has given you skill. And that skill is not for your own usage. That skill is not for your personal satisfaction. That skill is to serve a higher purpose. Don't forget it, my friends. Number three, pride refuses God's guidance. When people are proud, they don't accept God's guidance. They they want it their own way. They want to chart their own course. They want to follow their own devices. God says don't, but they do. God says stop, but they don't stop. God says turn right, but they turn left. It refuses God's guidance. Number four, pride resists God's goals. When you are pride, you don't see God's purpose. You don't see God's will. Instead, you say, 
instead of saying, you know, Lord, thy will be done. He said, no, my, my will be done. My will. My will. My will or the highway, God. My will be done. My will be done. My will be done. You know, and, and, and Christians will say, oh, yeah, you know, I know God, but, you know, <laughs> I know, I've heard you, Lord. I know, I know, I know. I know. Pride. Okay. So I'm sure as I'm even preaching this morning, somebody here is saying, ah, this message, I wish my friend came. It's for him. It's for you. That's why you are here. It's for you. <laughs> it's not for that person. It's for you. That's why you are here. <laughs> it is for you. <laughs> yes, God knew you were coming. <laughs> he knew that your friend would come. He knew he would come for first service and it's for you. Yeah. Pride, number five, steals God's glory. God says he will share his image with us. He steals God's glory. Because, you know, God will share his image with you and I. Yeah. The Bible said that we are made in his image and likeness. So he will share his image with you. He will share himself with you. But one thing that you cannot touch, you dare not touch, is his glory. So I will share my, when it comes to my glory, don't, don't take it. It's not yours. I will never share my glory with anybody. God says he's the source of our lives. Whatever we have achieved, he is the source of it. He says, and he says, and he says he's our father. He says, if I'm your father, where is my honor? Where is my honor? If I'm your father. And that's why one of the reasons why when it's first fruit Sunday, we give our first fruit. Do you think we don't know what to use the money for? We know what to use the money for. We need to buy fuel. But it is honor. Recognizing that God, I worked hard, I labored hard. But in all my labor and hard work, you, get, you blessed me. You blessed me. That honor is what we choose to give to him. When others say that what we are doing is crazy, we choose because we honor him. Yes, you work hard. I know you work hard. You went to school. I know you set goals for yourself. But it is the grace of God that helped you achieve those things, my friends. If it wasn't for the Lord, your labor would be in vain. God's grace is what makes our labor a blessing. God's grace is what makes our effort successful. God's grace is what makes the seed we sow bear fruit. Without his grace, we are laborers, but we are laboring in vain. Without his grace, the watchman watches, but it is in vain. It is the grace of God. So he will resist the proud and exalt the humble. If you want to stay long in success, you want to reign for a very long time, my friends, so that even your influence will go beyond yourself, your positive influence to your generation and generations after you. You must walk in humility. And the moment you recognize pride poking its nose, pluck it off. Block it off because humility is what will lift you up. And I think that the, the antidote for pride, as I wrap up, that antidote of pride is a particular phrase. And you must inject that phrase in your system every time. The antidote for pride is the phrase, by the grace of God. I am what I am by the grace of God.
Paul says, I worked hard. I labored more than the apostles. I killed people. But God still used me and brought me up. And when God says, I am what I am. I know I'm intelligent. I know I'm smart. I know I worked out as a missionary. I went to different places. But Paul says, I am what I am by his grace, by the grace of God. Thank you for listening to the message. God bless you.